Sask Egg today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Saskag Today. Coming up on today's program, the Canadian Canola Growers Association announced the opening of the early application window for 2024 cash advances last week. That was the first topic of discussion on Friday's SaskagToday.com roundtable with Chief Agricultural Editor Kevin Hirsch. He talked about a number of other agricultural issues as well. Using urban wastewater for agricultural irrigation. We'll hear about that uh, project that's going on south of Moose Jaw right now. At the Sask Soils Conference in Saskatoon last week, Troy LaForge spoke about building organic matter in the soil on his farm in southwestern Saskatchewan. He'll tell us about that as well. And learning different aspects of the business side of farming is the theme of a workshop in Regina today. Executive Director Heather Watson will tell us about that. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of Saskag Today. But first it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. With Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. And Phil, it's sunny to mainly sunny here in the Yorkton area today. A, a little cooler than we've been used to, but not much wind. So that wind chill isn't much of a factor right now. Yeah, that certainly is helping. The temperature will come up this afternoon. We should actually be pretty close to normal by the time we finish out the day. Uh, normal high minus 7. We'll look for minus 6 or so. But with that light wind, again, very little wind chill factor. Partly cloudy sky tonight, staying with a light wind down to minus 10, maybe minus 12. Uh, depending just how much of a light breeze we get and how much scattered cloud cover we have, because there will be some cloud cover coming in through the night, and that will slow down our drop-off. It's hardly a big drop-off from minus 6 to minus 10, but it'll just be a little bit delayed into the uh, middle part of the night. Through the day tomorrow, cloud cover, partial sunshine getting up to minus 3. There could be a few flurries with that extra cloudiness late tonight through early tomorrow morning. Chance of snow, 20%, and that even may be overstating it. There's uh, just not a whole lot to work with. Clear sky Wednesday night into Thursday. A little more cloudiness again through the day. Minus 10 Wednesday night. Minus 1 on Thursday. And then another chance for some flurries. This time, a little better chance for getting some actual snowfall. Daytime chance of snow Thursday. And daytime chance of snow Friday, 20%. It's that period in the middle that kind of sneaks in uh, with a chance for some light snow. Still very minor amounts. Uh, anything that sticks uh, is going to be uh, pretty limited. But we'll get down cool enough where anything would stick, likely down to around uh, minus 10 or so, maybe minus 8, and through the overnight, some light snow. Then through the day, Friday, as I mentioned, the chance backs to, uh, back to 20%. The cloud cover is still pretty prevalent through the day, but the flurry threat drops off, and temperature gets up to around zero. A stretch of mild temperatures once again for us. We'll get back uh, not only to freezing on uh, Friday, but likely above freezing beyond that. Temperatures are going to be mild into the start of the week. There is some cooler air for much of next week, along with a chance for some snow, uh, but at the very least, making that run at freezing another uh, unusually warm weekend ahead. 
That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour. The Paw is at minus 15 degrees. Swan River minus 11. Dauphin minus 9. Brandon, Show Lake Russell minus 10. Roblin minus 14. Regina is at minus 7. Saskatoon minus 10. Hudson Bay minus 9. Broadview Mooseman minus 4. Indian Head minus 8. Winyard Wadena Kelvington minus 6. The Yorkton Melville region has a sunny sky, an east southeast wind at 4 kilometers an hour. 80% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 9 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 12 degrees. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of minus 9 degrees and dropped to a low of minus 21 degrees. There was no precipitation recorded in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. The normal high for this date is minus 7 degrees. The normal low is minus 18 degrees. The sun rose in Yorkton at 7.54 this morning and it will set at 6.15 tonight. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday. The Manitoba hotspot was Pilot Mound at plus 3 degrees. The cold spot was Churchill at minus 35 degrees. The Saskatchewan hotspot yesterday was Cypress Hills Provincial Park. It got up to plus 6 degrees. The cold spot was Collins Bay at minus 33 degrees. And that's a look at your agriculture weather. Please stay tuned. Saskag Today will return right after this. Welcome back to Saskag Today. The Canadian Canola Growers Association announced the opening of the early application window for 2024 cash advances last week. That was the first topic of discussion on Friday's saskagtoday.com roundtable with Chief Agricultural Editor Kevin Hirsch. I think the people will start want to start looking at that certainly as they look at lining up their operating expenses. I have to confess I haven't applied for a cash advance for a lot of years. I think a lot of producers probably will want to wait until their crop insurance coverage levels are announced in the next week or two because I think the, the early cash advances are based off of or can be based off of crop insurance coverage. Manitoba's program has been announced, so uh, they know where their crop insurance is at. Saskatchewan, we're still waiting. I suspect a lot of producers here will wait to see that before doing their cash advance applications. He was also impressed with the pig brig, a product which is being marketed to trap wild boars. I had the impression from listening to the interview, though, that he thought maybe we could we could stem our wild boar problem. I think there's places in the U.S. where it's such a prevalent problem that uh, they're going to have lots of sales of this trap mechanism because uh, they've, they've got a huge problem, as I understand it, in parts of the states. I've actually never seen a wild boar in the wild here, uh, but I know there's uh, lots of reports and there's areas that are seeing an increasing problem with them. Hirsch also got into the shift we've seen with farmers now owning their own semi-units to haul their crops to the elevator rather than hiring a custom hauler. You know, that used to be the case where, especially if it was going any distance, it was custom trucked, but now there's more and more, especially the 
mid-sized and larger producers that own their own trucking units and then some even find that as a way to keep an employee all winter long rather than just a, a seasonal employee so I'd say it's, it's changed a, a fair bit in recent years with more and more producers getting their own uh, B trains or at least a tritum or, 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 or trailer uh, setup so they can haul a significant quantity but boy, the, the drop in canola prices is uh, you know, it has continued. We saw a little bit of life this week, and then it, it dropped back down and bounced around a bit. But I think it's really changed the outlook for 2024, unless something major happens. He also got into the oat market in Saskatchewan. Uh, oats is, uh, you know, a, certainly a central and northern grain belt crop. A lot in, in northeast Saskatchewan, though, would be centered there. Where I come farm from in southwest Saskatchewan, very rare actually to see a, a crop of oats. Uh, can't get the yields that uh, are necessary to make that work and don't have uh, access to, to markets. And, and oats is a, a light crop, so the shipping cost gets uh, very onerous in a hurry if you have to move it long distances to market. Hirsch says he'll be interested to see how the Ag Tech Accelerator program will fare when we see their final results at Canada's Farm Show in Regina come June. Even whether they, they if they get funding, good on them. It's also great for uh, for awareness to get in the public stage and get feedback on their, on their products and ideas. So certainly something to look forward to for Canada's Farm Show in June. He also spoke with a real estate agent concerning farmland sales over the past year or so. Yeah, it's it's a different trend than we've heard. We always hear land prices are going up, going up amazingly fast, and, and that, uh, as far as we know, hasn't really changed, but it's uh, the market has adjusted somewhat. Uh, Tim Hammond of Hammond Realty follows uh, how many uh, farmland sales are listed on the MLS service, and he's been following this for a number of years, and it's finally seeing an uptick in the last year, uh, more farm listings out there, and he thinks that'll put the, the market a little bit more in balance. He also says investors are taking a different look at holding farmland now, whether it's your family farm that's uh, being rented out or whether it's an investment company. With uh, GICs available at a bank at 5% interest, suddenly there's some, some of those investors might be looking and saying, well, you know, uh, that's a decent rate of secure return and certainly not getting 5% in rent, although the land does continue to increase in value. So he believes there will be more farmland coming on the market in the next year or two. And he also believes the market and the the desire to buy land is decreasing a little bit. There's still really good demand, but not nearly the same number of offers on any, any particular parcel. So this is a a little bit of a bellwether moment in, in the land market that has uh, been shooting straight up since about uh, the mid-90s uh, and has had some huge escalation. We may see that rate of increase uh, taper off in the, in the year or two ahead, the way, especially the way grain prices look at the moment. And Hirsch also commented on the fact that last Tuesday, was Canada's Agriculture Day. We tend to be in a little bit of an echo chamber. We talk to ourselves about it. I wonder how many people in the general public knew it was Agriculture Day. Kevin Hirsch is the Chief Agricultural Editor for saskagtoday.com. It's time now for the Beef and Forage Report, and that's a presentation of Bumper to Bumper in Langenberg and Rokenville, your auto parts professionals.
Let them find the parts no one else can. Open 8 to 6, Monday to Saturday. Call 306-743-2332. Beef and Forage Report. Manitoba cattle producers want a public protective service available for livestock crimes. That's one of the resolutions members of Manitoba beef producers debated in past during its annual general meeting on February 8th and 9th. Manitoba is the only province in Western Canada without a livestock investigations unit and a dedicated RCMP officer to investigate livestock theft and fraud. Without those safeguards in place in Manitoba, criminals are finding ways to commit livestock-related crimes. Alberta has two, and B.C. and Saskatchewan have one livestock investigator each. Under the Section 338 Sub 2 of the Criminal Code of Canada, anyone found guilty of cattle theft faces up to 10 years in prison. And that's the Beef and Forage Report. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94 Ag Review. Canadian farm income may have set a new record in 2023. That's according to the official 2023 and 2024 estimates released Friday by Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada. For 2023 net cash income, the main metric agriculture and agri-food Canada uses to measure farm income, is forecast to have increased 13% to a new record of $24.8 billion. The strong economic performance for production agriculture came against a challenging backdrop, including a drought in western Canada, extreme weather events across the country, and global conflicts such as the war in Ukraine. The largest driver of this expected increase is a forecasted increase in livestock receipts of almost 10% to $37.3 billion. Crop receipts were also forecast to have grown 4% to $56 billion as improved crop production largely mitigated declining prices. United States wheat futures hit new contract lows and pressured Western Canadian wheat bids during the week ended Thursday. The U.S. Department of Agriculture reported during its 100th annual Outlook Forum on Thursday that the average wheat yield is expected to increase to 49.5 bushels per acre in 2024-25 compared to 48.6 this year. Harvested acres in the U.S. are expected to increase by 1.1 million acres at 38.4 million. The carryout estimate was 769 million bushels compared to 658 million in 2023-24. Cheaper Russian wheat exports also dragged global wheat prices downwards. For the weekend at February 11th, the Canadian Grain Commission reported 571,400 metric tons of wheat exports, the largest volume shipped in 10 weeks. So far in the 2023-24 marketing year, 11.492 million metric tons were shipped, up 8% from one year ago. CN and CPKC Rail supplied a combined 77% of hopper cars ordered in Grain Week 28 
an improvement from the 68% order fulfillment performance seen in week 27. The improvement in system performance reflects improved performance for each of CN and CPKC. In supplying 68% of cars ordered by shippers in week 28, CN saw performance improve slightly from the 60% order fulfillment performance seen in week 27. CN performance remains below the 90% performance threshold for the sixth consecutive week close to the British Columbia-Alberta boundary. Preliminary reports suggest the derailment involves a parked and a moving train. There were no reports of injuries, fires or leaks. The first accident happened east of the community of Revelstoke around 10 o'clock Friday night. Officials with the Canadian Pacific Kansas City Railway say four locomotives collided with the rear of another train, forcing the engines off the tracks. Two crew members were taken to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. The union, representing more than 9,000 employees with Canada's two biggest railways, is warning a work stoppage is looming. At issue is key rest provisions, which Teamsters Canada President Francois Laporte says Canadian National Railway and Canadian Pacific Kansas City are trying to scrap from workers' contracts. He says that would put public safety at risk. CN says recent regulatory changes have made it harder to find crews and it needs to modernize its compensation model. CPKC, meantime, says it has been negotiating in good faith since September and offered compensation boosts and more schedule predictability. And Saskag today is always available on podcast. Listen to past shows whenever you want. Find them easily by going to gx94radio.com. Also, you can hear the podcast on your Amazon Echo. Just enable the GX94 skill and choose Saskag today. And yes, it is free. And that's today's Ag Review. Please stay tuned. Saskag Today will continue in one minute's time. Using urban wastewater for agricultural irrigation. Treated effluent from the city of Moose Jaw is used to irrigate 3,300 acres of agricultural land about 12 kilometers south of the city. Eleven farmers have irrigated land in the Baleden Irrigation District, including Julianne Howe, and her husband, who own a purebred Charlet operation. Without irrigation in our areas, we wouldn't have a crop. The past four years have been extremely dry, but historically, um, it is pretty dry around Moosja. In my case, where we irrigate, we are irrigating on a sand to sandy loam soil, which means basically blow sand, and it's so dry and hot that we grow cactuses in, in our grasslands. She tells us how the water makes its way to their farm. Our uh, irrigation project is... Uh, special actually we get the wastewater from the city of Moostra. The wastewater hits the city of Moostra lagoon system it um, percolates so the sediments drop down it is treated through what's called the clarification system and then there's a pressurized pipeline that comes eight miles south and comes to our project area and we get that water. As long as the city keeps on consuming water we um, will have water and we don't even use half of the water from the city of Moostra. Howe says a number of producers in their area irrigate their crops. There's 11 different producers in our area in 3,300 acres, so that's actually quite um, impressive. 
3,300 acres seems like a big number for the average person, but realistically, that's a moderate to small-sized grain farm. In our 3,300 acres, we have two cow-calf operations, so mama cows. We have a feed yard. We have backgrounders, which are people that feed cattle in between, and then we have hay and bees and all sorts of other things that you wouldn't usually see on that parcel of land. I have three-quarters of irrigated land, so that's just around 400 acres of irrigated land. She says they do have some dry land as well. My dry land is pasture land, so I'm purely a cattle farmer. I don't do grain land. My dry land is, um, yeah, like I said, it's pasture, and in that area it is quite dry, so the native grasses areas, we do have the prickly pear, and we have buffalo berry, and like really rugged, rugged land. And that land isn't very well suited to grain farming. It is unique in our area that it's uh, under irrigation, it's productive. Uh, Without irrigation, it is really best to be a grassland and grow cattle on it. Howe believes this kind of irrigation project could work in other cities. Absolutely. I think it it is a possibility. White City has actually been um, expanding and using effluent uh, irrigation to help manage their population growth, and they've been putting in pivots in order to manage their wastewater. So uh, small growing cities for sure, and even larger cities. Like, yes, the treatment systems aren't in the city, and there is absolutely agricultural land around that. So there's lots of opportunity in my estimation. She's also in favor of the Lake Diefenbaker Irrigation Expansion Project. I think irrigation expansion across the province is important. So the Lake Diefenbaker Project absolutely is important for the success of our province, not just the farmers, but the jobs and the economic prosperity that it will produce for all people in Saskatchewan. And then there's irrigation outside of Outlook and outside of my place. There's lots of little projects where they can capitalize local water or they can utilize like drainage water, things like that. So um, although the Diefenbaker Project is the gem, of the province, there's lots of opportunities interspersed throughout the province for farmers and, and in turn, for all Saskatchewan residents. But how notes the startup expenses for an irrigation system are quite high. Yeah, money talks. Uh, irrigation is a significant investment, absolutely, but the value of irrigation is there and the economics are there. The, uh, the return on investments are uh, clear. There's no doubt that irrigation will help pay for itself. It's just being able to leverage with the financial institutions. And then the whole process, big projects take a big amount of effort, and that's just the way it is for any kind of industry, and irrigation development is no different. She says irrigation is valuable in dry and in wetter years. Rain comes when rain when weather comes. With irrigation, you can manage your water, and we can also grow crops that we wouldn't in this area. In my particular um, experience, we grow corn for silage that you would absolutely not be able to grow without the water that we get from irrigation. We just don't get enough um, water to get the productivity that I do under irrigation. And that's also for like the horticulture crops, so the small market gardens and, and the potatoes growers. Without water, that just can't happen in Saskatchewan. So it's not just knowing that you have your water, but being able to grow different things that we traditionally haven't been able to in Saskatchewan. And how had these final comments? The big thing is that today we're talking about irrigation for farmers, but irrigation is really more than just for agricultural production. It's the spin-offs that we see in terms of jobs and prosperity in large and small towns that's really going to be a, a boon for all of Saskatchewan. Julianne Howe and her husband own a purebred Charlet operation about 12 kilometers south of Moose Three-quarters of their land is irrigated with treated wastewater 
from the city of Moose Jaw. Please stay tuned. Your livestock market conditions are coming up next. All right, turning to those livestock market conditions now. April live cattle trading at 187.57. That's up two. June live cattle trading at 183.32, up 50. March feeder cattle trading at 251.97, up 95. April feeder cattle trading at 256.02, up 247. April lean hogs trading at 85.92, up 70. May lean hogs trading at 89.15, that's up 30. And that's the livestock market conditions. And in 2009, the soil had been farmed with little to no fertilizer. He showed the audience the results of a soil test conducted shortly after the sale. Organic matter was 1.4%. Yeah, I see a lot of oof. <laughs> that hurts. Yeah, it did. It really hurt. One thing for sure, when you're looking at soil samples, remember one thing, if you remember nothing else about what I talk about today, organic matter matters. It's the most important number on a soil test. Without that, everything else starts to fall apart. Anytime somebody talks about organic matter, I want to know more. I want to know what they know about building organic matter. The second number I want you to look at is the phosphorus. And in this particular one, we were at nine parts per million of available phosphorus in a weak bray sample. So that's a low number. This soil is on, it's on life support. It's barely living. And so what we did in 09, with the knowledge I had at the time, we set out on a path to get those two numbers up. And the reason is, I want to hold more water, I want to have more microbial life, all the things we've heard in the last day. The phosphorus, I want to get that up. It's one of my, when I go through my six-factor rating, it's, that's one of the low ones. It's really low. And I can get the most gain or the greatest return on investment from getting that number better first. So I'm going to work my way up the scale. And so we set on a path to build phosphate levels in our soils. But here's the result after 14 years. This is the soil sample, and it is not exactly the same spot. Uh, that field is just north of the yard, the picture I showed you. This is taken from several spots, similar landscape, not exact. In 14 years, we've been able to build to a 2.2% organic matter. And our FOST is actually very high now. And I'm actually starting on a program, I'm going to meter that back now. My goal is to have that number between 20 and 25 ppm, that's my goal. We've had five droughts in a row. And when I say drought, I mean drought. It's been like two inches of rain and probably about two inches of subsoil moisture to start. So we've had like four inches to work with for five years. It's been dry. And when you're doing phosphate building and it's dry, it's really easy to build phosphate. But when you're removing crops steady, you're pulling it down, pulling it down, pulling it down, it's hard to build those numbers. So that's what we've accomplished from a soil chemistry perspective. And that's where I started. Troy LaForge is an agronomist and a farmer in the Cadillac area, about half an hour south of Swift Current. After the break, we will hear more of his presentation from last week's SAS Soils Conference in Saskatoon. Economist for Rack Petroleum's Ultimate Yield Management Institute, which is a crop consulting service encompassing six-factor agronomy. He spoke about field research in the 
Unity area, a couple of hours northwest of Saskatoon. I would challenge anybody to find more productive soils in the province than Unity. <laughs> These guys can literally just about throw canola seed on the ground and grow 50 bushels. It's that good. They've got black soil right up to here. It looks to me like it's a great big glacial lake up in there. The one limiting factor they've got is low pH soils, but it generally rains through there. There's a lot of good things about farming at Unity. But they do have low phosphate soils from some of their management practices. So in 2015, we set out on this venture to understand what happens if you mine phosphate or and potassium, maintain it, or build it. What happens to production over time? So we pull on this field, we seed north and south, and we have 37 different rates of phosphorus and potassium. Anywhere from zero phosphate to 100 phosphate, and anywhere from zero potassium to 60 potassium. So for these years, we basically end up building three different soils. Low phosphate, lower potassium, they're still fairly high. Medium testing phosphate, high testing phosphate, and same thing with the potassium, we either kept it or we built it. Then what we did in uh, 2020, there was some data from Nebraska that uh, we'd been very intrigued about when you have certain soil test levels, what your productivity can or cannot be. What is the limiting factor? And we wanted to see if we could replicate that. So what we did, we'd seeded north-south for five years. We turned the drills and we seeded east-west across those plots. And all we were really wanting to understand was, what if you put a low rate of phosphate on a low phosphate soil, put or a high rate? Same thing, well, if you put a low rate on a medium testing soil, or you put a medium rate and a high rate, and same thing with the high testing phosphate strips. And we're really trying to understand where do the economics sit for the grower. And so what you see is an array of yields on the hard red spring wheat from 2020. What's really important about this data, where we applied zero phosphate for five years, and then we turned around, the red bar is where we applied no phosphate in that same season where we applied no phosphate for five years. We get 72 bushels of hard red spring wheat with the 100 pounds of nitrogen and the 15 pounds of sulfur we'd put down. Now you understand how great the unity soils are because 72 bushel wheat sounds pretty good to most guys. So then we look at where we got the greatest yield because this is normal research, right? and we got 106 bushels where we had applied 100 pounds of phosphate for five years, but in this particular season, we applied 40 pounds of phosphate. So we built a high testing soil and applied 40 pounds of phosphate, we get 106 bushels. The best thing we could do from an economics perspective was to apply 60 pounds of phosphate in that environment, it's a high yield environment, don't forget we're removing a lot of phosphorus, then turn around and apply another 60 pounds of phosphate in that year. So basically what we've learned in that environment is that 60 pounds of phosphate is the optimal balance for that soil. The big, big stuff is when you look at getting 72 bushels versus getting 103, there's 31 bushels available there. And nitrogen use efficiency just went right through the roof. It's hard to figure out what a long-term average is anymore, but I'll use $6 spring wheat. 
And if I've got another $180 in my jeans and it costs me, say, another 30 bucks over what I've been doing, those are good returns. And growers need to know that. Because profit is absolutely essential to any of us being here. This is the basis of why we started doing what we're doing on our farm. Troy LaForge is an agronomist and also farms in the Cadillac area of southwestern Saskatchewan. He spoke last week at the Sask Soils Conference in Saskatoon. Please stay tuned. Your Commodities Update is coming up next. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading up across the board this hour. March canola trading at 584.60, up $7.20. May canola trading at 592.90, up $5.20. March Minneapolis wheat trading at 666 and 3 quarters, that's up 12 cents. March Kansas City wheat trading at 586 and a quarter, up 19 cents. March Chicago wheat trading at 583 and a half, up 23 cents. March corn trading at 418 and three quarters, up two and a quarter cents. March soybeans trading at 1176 and a quarter, up four cents. March oats trading at 382 and a quarter, down one cent. And that's the commodities update. Please stay tuned. Saskag Today will continue right after this. Farm Bulletin Board. Learning different aspects of the business side of farming is the theme of a workshop in Regina today. Farm Management Canada, or FMC, is hosting a free Seeding Success Farm Business Practices Assessment Workshop at the Wascana Country Club in Regina. Executive Director of FMC, Heather Watson, says the workshop focuses on more than just the production side. The workshop kind of goes through a self-assessment where we say, hey, these are the different areas of managing your business, whether it's production or marketing or financial management, human resources, um, social responsibility, all those things, of course, that are important to, to farming, modern-day farming and future farming, and, and give them a tool uh, to work through a process of assessing how are they doing now and and perhaps more importantly, you know, are there areas for improvement and how can we kind of plan to integrate those into the farm? She says it's held at a time when producers are not as busy in the field between the end of November and beginning of April. That's exactly why this is a good time. You know, before we get out in the fields and before we get busy and, you know, we can't think straight, you know, that's not the best time to sit down and try and, you know, blue sky or or try to really assess what's going on. So, you know, coming off of last year and the harvest and then, you know, having a little bit of time before we hit the fields to think about, uh, you know, how did that go and, and how are, you know, what are some things that I can do to, to improve how that went or to keep doing the things that went really, really well? How can we invest more in that? So timing is really, really important. Um, and as well, I would say, um, because, you know, we do have an online tool, you can do this yourself, but I think sometimes it's important to kind of take yourself off of the farm so you can really kind of work on your business rather than kind of being swallowed up in the day-to-day running of your business. While it's made for farmers, advisors and other key players within the ag sector also sign up for the workshop. 
Watson says it's relatively the same no matter the location in Canada with a few adjustments. It's kind of that, you know, rinse, repeat, business management is business management. Of course, depending on the commodity that you're in, you might have, you know, more or less of an emphasis on marketing or more or less of an emphasis on human resources, but you're still going to have what we would call that kind of bucket that you need to take care of in terms of your management. So even if all your marketing is done, you know, um, by your industry association, for example, you still need to understand what's happening with the market and what that means for your business. And even if you don't hire any outside employees, you still have human resources because, of course, there's yourself and there's the people you're working with um, in your family. And so the, the cool thing about farm business management is that it really does apply to everyone. But, of course, we're mindful of, of the audience and, you know, using relevant examples and, and making sure that we're, that we're making the information relatable. And the good news is it's easy to do with farm business management. But, yeah, there's definitely a little bit of difference, but, but probably less than you would expect. Another workshop will be held in Saskatoon on March 8th. It's now 1 o'clock, time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Partly to mainly sunny, a light wind and a high of minus 6. For tonight, partly cloudy, winds east-southeast at 10, a low of minus 12. For tomorrow, a mix of sun and cloud, winds west-southwest at 10 to 20, a high of minus 3, an overnight low of minus 10. For Thursday, partly sunny, a high of minus 1. Friday, cloudy, a high of 0. And Saturday, sunny, a high of plus 2. In the Paw, it's minus 15 degrees, Swan River minus 11, Dauphin minus 9, Brandon, Show Lake Russell minus 10, Roblin minus 14. Regina is at minus 7, Saskatoon minus 10, Hudson Bay minus 9, Broadview Mooseman minus 4, Indian Head minus 8, Winyard Wadena Kelvington minus 6. The Yorkton-Melville region has a sunny sky, an east-southeast wind at 4 kilometers an hour. 80% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 9 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 12 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for SaskAg today for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 1215 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. CJGX Yorkton, a Harvard Media radio station serving Saskatchewan and Manitoba. We are GX94.